Hey and fuckers, it's Max, and I'm here with 99, as promised. Quick question for you before we get into things. Yeah. How was Tom McGovern? He was very sweet. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was in LA and we were looking for something to do. So I was on Ticketmaster and I saw that they were opening for a, a band called Jukebox the Ghost. Never, oh my God, my favorite. Yeah, never heard of them, um, which is fine. But I was like, should we go? And uh, we decided to. I messaged Tom on Instagram. He did not answer me. But in fairness, he didn't see it, quote unquote. But he happened, there were, it was like a Halloween show and he, they were judging the costume contest and he was giving out like vouchers to people in the crowd and he was like right in front of me. My roommate was like, you ha- you have to say hi. Of course. And, I mean, I'm I'm shy. Like, even though I talk a lot, I'm very shy. So I tapped him and he probably was like, what the fuck do you want? But I was like, hi, I messaged you on Instagram. You and FTR, I'm 99. And he was like, oh my God, you're 99. He was like, give me a hug. And he gave me a hug and we, we chatted for a moment. I said, you have to play the theme song. <laughs> he said, I'll talk it over the band. We'll change the set list, confuse everyone. And we laughed and... He had to run along, but um, they were really good, like extremely funny. The whole crowd was, you know, came in without knowing them, I think. Um, So cool. Yeah. And it was a big, like we got there. They have a legit tour going on right now. Yeah. This, and this was like, they were doing a few nights opening, but they just announced like an actual tour of their own headlining. And the the, the first, like the place was pretty empty and I was like, oh, this is going to be sad if they like play for this few people but it completely filled in which I had an argument with my roommate a joking argument because I was like in my my jam scene we don't show up for the openers I don't I mean why why am I going for the opener I never know if there's an opener when I'm I, I just always show up on time because that's how I'm programmed. Okay. Well, and yeah. I, and I sit there for 45 fucking minutes in my seat and then an opener comes on and I'm like, oh, I'm old and I'm tired and I want to go home. I like to either, I like to call the venue and find out if there's an opener because it's more like, do I have time? Because if I'm getting out of work, you know, if when, I, when I worked in the city, like, do I have time to like go get dinner or get a drink or change right. before getting to the venue? And a lot of like fish doesn't have openers. So like, I, I don't have to, like, if, if it's fish, I know to get there. So you just never know. But I was like, no one comes for the openers, but this was packed. And I said, all right, maybe in other worlds, people come for the openers, which is a good thing for Tom mm-hmm, and his mm-hmm. band. Um, but yeah, they had everyone laughing. They're- I think he's going to be in Mercury Lounge if uh, if I read his promos correctly. Yeah, I, it's somewhere, somewhere. There's a New York a New stop York on show. the tour. So yeah. Come on now. We might have to. This time we'll get in touch ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, they were very funny and everyone, everyone loved them. Um, and that was it, my little Tom McGovern story. But I love it. It was the first person I've met in real life is 99. Ooh, scary. Yeah. So I, it was a face Did the reveal. world stop? Are you okay? I, well, I think, you know, if it was like someone who listens, it might feel a little different than like the man we pay for <laughs> the intros <laughs> who was about to play his own show. Um, you know, so there's a little bit of a, like a level there. Yeah. But no, it was okay. I mean, I could have also just been like, hi, I'm blank. And I'm blank. Yeah. Or 99. I don't have to bleep my right. Code you name. just went 99. Yeah. Pretty cool. Yeah. So I mean, he he's saying my name before, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, which what song is it? I'm trying to think of the lyrics. All of them. Not the first one. Oh yeah, that's right. Well, um, well, well we have it's a. Funny, I have yeah. it right in front of me. Uh, Major General, right? You're in there. 
Him? Yeah. Oh, is that the one where 99's a vegan and she's nice? Yes, right. So I was having trouble landing the plane yes. there. Yes. My favorite of that one is Tom's, his verse. Uh, my, my name, name is, is Tom McGovern, McGovern and, and just know that, that I'm a hired gun. gun. So if you're going to hate somebody, please, please don't, don't let me, me be, be the one. one. Now you know the story of the show <laughs> and the entire cast. Amazing. Yeah. Um, show notes, no, but no one's in that one. Same for Topical Cream or Phone a Friend. I think it's just that one in the Fuck Milton Friedman. Say it loud. What do you mean, fuck Milton Friedman? There's like, because you know, it's like, there's the, where you like throw it to many faces. Because I go, hi, remember? Mm-hmm. So I think those are the, so he, I'm saying he knows me because he's right. saying my name. Yes, yes. I think well, those yeah. are the only two. And he's two. interacted with you, so. Yeah, I was off screen though when he came on our phone a friend. I was, and then I just that's spoke right. as the voice of God. That's right. And that that's one that wasn't committed to YouTube. So that just lives on the pod, right? So. That's okay. Yeah, totally. Totally. Well, we're going to actually talk about the theme songs because it's something cool that uh, Bobby McDee did. But uh, before we do that, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about where, where we are in our fall fun friend and Hellraiser. Yeah. So I think we've gotten a lot of a lot of new members. Yep. Which is really fun, especially. Thank you. Thank you. On the heels of switching membership platforms. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it just it's OK. We'll make it seamless. Um, so you can become a member at uh, buymecoffee.com slash UNFTR. For now. For now. And then we will work with you to have a seamless transition when we go over to the new membership platform, which we're really excited about, I have to say. It's coming together nicely. Yes, I was working on it today, this morning, with our friend. I saw the result of that, I think, right? Yeah, with yeah, the, get some okay. emails. Yep. Yeah. Good. So we got that all. We're getting that all set up. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel. Yes, which you can. I th- we're steadily growing. I think you threw up a new phone a friend there, a special guest. I did. We'll talk about that in a sec. That was yeah. weird, huh? And um, if you drink coffee, drink our coffee. I mean, why wouldn't you, it's right? It's delicious. Yeah. It is the coffee that we exclusively drink in my home. Thank you. You're welcome. Which one? What's your blend? We do mellow. Yeah, me too. We're, we're mellow girlies. Yeah, I've switched over completely to just uh, all mellow. Yeah. And then like sometimes like I have, I know I'm not supposed to, I have Starbucks right now. And like I taste the difference where I'm like, mm. <laughs> it's thinner. Yeah. Um, Other co- what I cannot thinner. abide by anymore is is when somebody brings me a Dunkin' Donuts. I just, I can't do it. Sometimes. I know we've had this discussion yeah. before and I don't want to go down that road. Sometimes but, when I'm on a road trip it, and there's nothing else, it slaps. I'll give it that. Slaps? Yeah. Slaps. Like, when you need coffee and it's there, like if you'd get. Yeah, if yeah. Said, if it serves a purpose. McDonald's but if it, or Dunkin', I'm going to pick a uh, Dunkin' coffee. Uh. Yeah, like and you know, strangely, I will even though it's really dirty and disgusting, I, I will I will go Seven Eleven over both of those. Um, and if uh, if I'm depending on how far north I'm traveling, I will absolutely go for a Tim Hortons, mm-hmm. even though it's not it's not it's not great coffee. I'll be honest. <laughs> I, I'm thinking about it. It's not going to be as funny when I tell you, but okay. it was hilarious to me when when I was I was at Buffalo for a music festival. One month ago, yeah, you betcha. And we went to we went to a Tim Hortons for iced coffee or for coffee, whatever. And my friend was ordering, and he asked for ten ten Tim bits at the end, which I call Tim Holes because I think it's funnier. Mm-hmm. And so he was like, I think she said, "And will that be all?" And he said, "And can I get ten Tim bits?" And then she goes, "No, that will not be all." <laughs> we were like, my goodness, what? So then he was thrown off, and like you know, that's like every drive-through encounter is awkward already. Like something goes wrong. Oh god, that's drive-through. Not yeah, even, oh. so we're doing drive-through, oh, okay. and then he goes, 
uh, and he was trying to say Timbits, but he just said, uh, tit. <laughs> and I, I don't think I almost pissed my pants in this car. And so all weekend we were just going, uh, tit, <laughs> because it was just, oh, so now that's what makes me think of Tim Hortons. It's oh, yeah. That fun experience. Be, uh, the reason I wrote that into the, uh, the, the Canada song that we did with Tom McGovern. Yes, that one's great. Uh, has a, a deep Tim Hortons reference, and it's because of, uh, I've spent a lot of time in Canada, and I always find it funny when my I have family members up there, and they'll be like, "Oh yeah, well, uh, I tell you what, in the morning we'll just meet over at Tim's, eh?" <laughs> and, uh, and I'm just like, "Which one?" That's true. There's literally a Tim Hortons on every, every fucking corner in Ontario, at a minimum. I'm sure it's the same in the rest of the country, but oh my god. Yeah, anyway. even in Buffalo, which is just southern Canada. Yeah, basically, basically. So, uh, so that's the deal. If drink you drink, if you drink coffee, drink our coffee. Yeah, right. Get rid of your your Tim hose and your Tim holes and your tits. Yeah, and your tits. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the last one you can do, but it's a big one, is purchase books from our bookshop.org shop. If you're gonna buy books, buy books there. Yeah, they right? have almost every title. I'm gonna check right now how many. So at this point, they've raised. I'm doing the making sure it's not billions. You know, I have to count out <laughs> one, two, three. I'm like hundred. Okay, twenty-eight million, one hundred eighty-seven thousand six hundred eighty-four dollars and ninety-two cents. Bookshop.org has raised for local bookstores. That's incredible. Yeah, so That's a big deal. Instead of getting your books from Amazon, yes, Bezos has enough money. Yes, he does. Let's support our bookstore Kims of the world. Yeah, I love our bookstore Kim. Yeah, so that's bookshop.org. Bookshop.org. Bookshop.org and your tits. <laughs> and slash UNFTR pod, I think. Yeah. I used to know them all by heart and my brain is atrophying. That's okay. So. Just go to bookshop.org and put UNFTR in the search. Or just go to our up. website. It might be easier. That's fine too. Go to yeah. UNFTR.com. That one is You'll for find sure. all the things. Yeah. So the biggest thing, because we're in the middle of this, is the membership. We signed up a bunch of new members in the last week or two, which is just awesome. And we're so grateful for that. And some people are leaving us some, I mean, some really wonderful and kind notes with their membership as well. Just want you to know we see you and and we so appreciate this. We have a goal. It's, I'm, I'm not going to state it publicly because it's a little bit of a reach for us. It's a million members. But it's a million. <laughs> but it's, it's the, makes us kind of stand on our own, independent, not have to fund this out of our pockets on our day jobs kind of number. It's totally doable. It's totally within reach to get there, let's say within the next year. And if we got there, it would really, it. I can't even explain to you how much of a relief it would be because we would be able to really invest some, some, you know, different resources into into bringing this out. So we'd be able to clone me and make a little baby ninety nine. I'm right. Is and that a sixty six? Just a little sixty six. Just turn you over. Yeah, hmm. I guess it depends. Do they have cloning yet, where you can just like clone me? Like I'd clone maybe like a like a twenty three year old me who has more energy, you know, so I could really like put her to work. Right. Can they do that Some, yet? Someone that doesn't know her worth yet that we can abuse. <laughs> yes. So um, <laughs> can we do that? And then. I don't know if, or do I have to raise her? Because I'm not ready. Not ready for that? No. Oh, okay. I don't think the world can handle another child. Maybe not. No, they just don't. Because, well, here's the thing. I'm going to raise her. There's going to be so many boundaries and like, we're going to do like gentle parenting. Not that I had non-gentle parents, Mm -hmm. but like, I'm going to raise like a, 
a Gen Z or whatever they are now, Gen A. Uncle Max will come in like, there, fuck it, shit it'll up. It'll be a little like she's worry. gonna be so cute and like polite and mm-hmm. sensitive. And so I don't know that she's gonna be the same as me. She yes. probably won't say like cunt all the time. Wow. I mean, there it is again. She'll be like cunt. There's that there's that word the again. C word. Um we are however, it should it should be known. That one of the reasons we need the memberships is because we are about to commit uh, more resources out of our pockets into pulling this thing to the next level. So, owning um, is expensive. The, yeah, yeah. The first, the first step here is to cover those expenses so that we can, so that we can be at least comfortable in bringing the content to the next level, and then it's about really, you know, amplifying from there to the point where we're truly considered an independent can't fuck with us you know pod and uh and youtube presence so anything you could do to consider a membership would be amazing uh, i do want to go over to our facebook page the uh the group unfuckers at all wait do you yeah. think we should clone you when you were a republican instead why god no because then why? you can phone a friend with yourself oh he was pretty brutal did he gish gallop you <laughs> um no i'd eat him for lunch now okay. obviously i'd eat him for lunch Old would be. You just said your real name. Wow. <laughs> we got, got two, that, Manny. We got two personal. Old Max. Too wistful. Be, uh, yeah. Oof. Yeah. Beep. I hated Old Max. Um, <laughs> let's go over to Facebook at all. Bobby McDee put up a poll. It said UNFTR is very lucky to have Tom McGovern's musical genius on tap. So on fuckers, tell me this: which of the show's themes do you like best? Coming in at number one, but not as much as I thought it would. By a distance as, as much as I thought it would, was the original theme storm. This is theme the storm sto- theme song. This is the story. This is the story of a political pundit, pundit who looked, looked at, at the, the world, world around, around him and, and just said, fuck it. it. A middle Second place was the modern major general version. I mean, that's true art. They both are, but yeah. it's, it's, it's art. And then uh, Ricky added in Red Right Hand after the poll was released. And that's gained a lot of steam, which which I get. That's the least original there, of it, though. Uh, yeah, there was there was there was some some dialogue around that. You're simply the worst. Got a couple of votes. Not a theme song, but uh, one that I certainly love. And um, then phone a friend, topical cream, and show notes. Uh, I think they uh, show notes is is the biggest earworm, as they've said, which Coming makes sense because it's the love boat theme. One. That's why. And if you've never actually thought about that before. And now it all makes sense why it's stuck in your head. It's the love part. But yeah, the two original ones are the ones that lead the way. So I better get back to writing and, and find myself a cheaper collaborator. Although we do have, I don't want to say it. I don't want to say it just yet because I'm so excited to, to hear it and to release it. We do have a new entry coming into the fold. I'm trying to think. We have, well, the Canada song is also original. And I think if it, someone added it, it would have risen high. Yeah, and people, and it would encourage people to go back and revisit it. I think that that was the most inspired one. Yeah. Should we play it right here? 
Yeah, let's do it. Manny, cue it up. really go down on that guy from Full House in a theater? Oh, yeah, for sure. Wow. And we're back. And then the la- lastly, that. your rap. Not a Tom McGovern, but... Oh, the AOC rap? Yeah. How's that aged? I think, well, we played it recently. Yeah? We played it at the end of the, a- the other AOC episode. No need to play that For again, my Manny. request. It's and fun. then there's all the times I sing. So why don't we rank those? Oh, there. I think we're releasing an album. That's why. Honestly, that would be really funny. Yeah. The end. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so if uh, you're part of the group and you haven't weighed in on that, uh, go in and answer that poll. Damn it. Yeah. So... The big news that's going on just as we as we get into things here. Wait, post show musings isn't on here. What's that? Post show musings. Oh yeah, you're right. They forgot. I oh, Bobby, can you add that in? Um, 
I don't want to comment on what's happening in the House right now because I'm pretty sure that between now and when we finish this episode, <laughs> there'll be yet another nominee for the House Speaker. I thought we were actually going to talk about Animal House. But what a shit show. Yeah, the only note I left on here was Animal House. I got excited. <laughs> it's one of my favorite movies. Um, Fat, dumb, and stupid is no way to go through life, son. <laughs> You're a P-I-G pig. We used so, to say at my house a lot. So why don't we just get into the real headlines then? Yes. How do you feel about that? Yes, here's a a, Here we go. a, a, a morbid transition. Now that we're 20 minutes into it. Womp womp. So the first one that I pulled, and for those that are that uh, are subscribed to the newsletter, you'll see that we pull something to support this in the newsletter. This is about internet access. And the question that I'm posing here with respect to this article is, is internet access now considered a human right? So the Intercept headline is Israel warns Palestinians on Facebook, but bombings decimated Gaza internet access by Sam Biddle. During a war, when access to the internet could save lives, Palestinians are struggling to reach the outside world and each other. And here's a quote from the article. Quote, in addition to the methodological differences and the fog of war, however, is an added wrinkle. Like almost everything else in Gaza, ISPs connect to the broader internet through Israeli infrastructure. By law, Gaza internet connectivity must go through Israeli infrastructure to connect to the outside world, so there is a possibility that the Israelis could leave it up because they're able to intercept communications, said Mattery of Kentik. I can't remember who that is, but that was the quote that they pulled for it. So we left a link for the article that you'll see uh, here in show notes, but then also on, uh, on in the newsletter. And one of the things that I was thinking about is the internet as a human right. When we think about the, we go back to our FCC episodes in the United States, we definitively do not treat it as a human right here, even though they've tried to overcome some of that. They've treated it as a commercial enterprise. But there's a big argument to be to be made that in this modern day and age, uh, internet access, electricity, running water, sewer and storm uh, infrastructure, that these are all basic essentials and should be considered human rights, especially during a war. When you bomb infrastructure like that, that affects civilians. And so it's obvious that, you know, notifying people that you're about to, you know, on the Internet, that you're about to bomb their residential building when they don't have the Internet is, you know, that 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 should be considered. I think it should be considered a war crime because it it is uh, I, I believe that in this context for civilians, especially that are trying to figure out what's going on, that the Internet would be considered a human right. It also feels very dystopian. Yes. Yes. Like on Facebook? Yeah, that's bizarre, right? But that is how they that is usually how they do it because they want to warn civilians that are not Hamas that they've identified Hamas targets and they want to bomb a building, so please get out. But I mean, yeah, nothing could be more dystopian than saying, Oh, but we posted it on Facebook, you know. I do think we need to if we take a, a big look at um the microcosm of capitalism, which is uh, monopoly, and all of those things that you listed are considered utilities. Not human mm. rights, so maybe they should make an update. But yeah, yes, maybe that's they how should. we know. That's right. If that's <laughs> they literally told us right there. Mm-hmm. So, so in putting the um, the the second episode together, which I don't know when it's going to be dropped, by the way, because I'm really struggling to condense this, as you might imagine, because it uh, it lasts for a couple thousand years. But I was crawling into bed. It was like 1.30 the other night. My wife's like, what are you doing? And I was so I was still so like juiced from from all the research that I was doing. And I was like, bro, I just found an old journal from where Trotsky was interviewed in 1937 about the Palestinian and Jewish question. She's like, 
go <laughs> to bed. I don't care. <laughs> it was like, okay, I'm sorry. I'll be right back. In fairness, she asked. She did. She did. She's just more annoyed that I just keep coming in and out at like one, one, two o'clock in the morning, which I, which I get. Um, now, the second article that I wanted to share is it's always important, especially during times like this, when the news can serve as a distraction. I'm not minimizing what's going on in the news, but right now, I think between what's going on in the house and what's going on in Gaza, there's other things happening in the world. There's always something going on in the world. And this is where this is where you have to peek around the corner and kind of pay attention, certainly to what the conservatives are doing. So I, I was curious about it and I went on over to the Heritage Foundation. And I saw this lovely little piece that uh, the title of which is Conservatives Can't Sleep on the Fight for State Supreme Courts by Zach Smith. So here's an excerpt from the article. Take North Carolina, for example. There, a majority of liberal justices invalidated the state's legislative maps as an inappropriate partisan gerrymander that, they claimed, violated the state's constitution. But after that decision, an election occurred, and the ideological makeup of the court changed. The newly constituted, more conservative court withdrew its previous opinion and held that the North Carolina constitution does not prohibit partisan gerrymandering. That was likely the correct result, but a complete 180 from the previous opinion. None of it would have happened, however, without the shift of power on the state Supreme Court. Now I want you to listen to another sentence really carefully. The newly constituted, more conservative court withdrew its previous opinion and held that North Carolina Constitution does not prohibit partisan gerrymandering. So what he's defending here is partisan gerrymandering, which cuts both ways, by the way. But the map that he's defending, of course, is the one that was gerrymandered by Republicans to exclude black American voters. And then goes on to gloat that, well, none of it would have happened without the shift of power on the state Supreme Court. The not-so-subtle subtext here is that they've won the battle for the Supreme Court of the United States. And now they need to take that battle more, more fulsomely to each of the states where the Supreme Courts will then look over the state legislatures. Um, if you look at what's happening in Texas, for example... There was, I was reading an article this morning about how they just recently passed a law that prohibits women from traveling through certain counties on their way to other states to get an abortion. Uh, so that will go at some point. I, I assume that will be challenged. And where will it wind up? It will wind up in their st state Supreme Court. So that's the battle that they're prepared to fight. And this is why I, this is yet another reason why I always come back to this place where we have to fight within the system because they're so far fucking ahead of us. We won enormous battles in the past, and then we we shifted gears and and went towards other places, right? And then we were looking for new battles and new horizons. And they said at the time, okay, well, it is just a battle. It's not the war. And they spent the last 50 years reversing all of those gains where it comes to, you know, civil rights, women's rights, and LGBTQ rights. That's just on that front. Forget about all the economic uh, assassinations that they've done. Just talking about civil and human rights. And now they're going after the states, which is just another piece of their state rollout puzzle, because as we've talked about before, through uh, gerrymandering, the legislatures have been you know, creating, self-creating new districts that will entrench their power, mostly in Republican, Democrats do it too, 
but mostly the the conservative leaning states have done it better and they they can do things like reject federal funding for medicare for medicaid rather which they have done reject federal funding for any supplements to the Obamacare uh, laws, which they have done. They can reject federal uh, subsidies for things like, uh, you know, COVID stimulus to help protect people through through health clinics. That's just a, a sliver of what the state legislatures have the power to do. But in order to retain whatever the state legislatures decide, they also know that they need to control the state Supreme Courts. And those are Long-term appointments as well. So, again, they're so far fucking ahead of us. And I just wanted to put this article out there to show you how they talk. They're like, we know that partisan gerrymandering is fucked up when it's on the other side. But when it's on our side, we need to hold that power. And the only way to do that, because we might lose the state legislature at some point, is to control the state Supreme Courts. God damn. Anyway. So those are the two articles that I wanted to share. There's going to be one or two more in the newsletter, uh, but that should come out Friday. Again, I do not know, or Saturday rather, but it may come out a couple days later to coincide with the with the next drop on Israel-Palestine. So I'm just putting that out there that the, that may be in your inbox uh, by Monday or Tuesday if I fall behind on putting this together. And remember, if you are an existing member or you become a member before we switch over to the new membership platform, you will receive, continue to receive access to the newsletter. That's right. Because that is going to be a membership perk moving forward. But yep. members, we're bringing you along with us. No doubt. So grab that membership. Thank you. All right, let's move over to emails. The first is from Dan H. Here are three reactions that you'll likely get to future episodes, speaking about the Israel-Palestine episode we just did. I 100% agree that largely ignoring the religious and origin story territorial justifications for Israeli, Palestinian, and Christian statehood in the region is efficacious. And it's important to acknowledge that those views still motivate many people involved in the conflict. They're invalid from a logical perspective, but they're still driving decision-making nonetheless. I think the intro already sets the tone well, but you'll likely have to return to this point throughout the series. Agreed? Number two, I hope you'll cover the characterization of Israel's governance for the past 75 years as apartheid and a genocide, more as in the series. I've seen and heard these descriptions in response to recent events, but historically don't recall these being used uh, as often. In fairness, I wasn't necessarily looking for this critique, so I may have missed it. That doesn't mean these descriptions are incorrect either, but I'm not as familiar with the historical definitions of these terms as it relates to Israel's continued encroachment and blockading of Palestinians in Gaza and the West Bank. Uh, so I don't throw genocide around loosely. Uh, I think what happened in the United States with the indigenous culture, what happened in Australia, uh, and certainly what happened in the Holocaust was a pure genocide in the strictest definition of the word. But I will be using apartheid regime, and I will probably refer to, rather than genocide, I will probably refer to as ethnic cleansing, uh, because you can find that actually documented in uh, state correspondence from Israel back when it was not as, let's say, charged through social media as it is now. But ethnic cleansing doesn't necessarily mean murder. Ethnic cleansing means moving a, a, peep, a people out of an area that share similar ethnic characteristics. And when it turns to genocide, like we saw, let's say, in Rwanda, then it's a genocide. Ethnic cleansing is just, you know, moving people around in horrific ways, mind you, and displacing them. But uh, I will be fair and equitable in using ethnic cleansing 
specific when I use genocide and equitable in terms of how uh, other state policies in Arab nations have also referred to the ethnic cleansing of Palestine uh, in order to leave room for only um, uh, Arab Muslims. So I'm going to be pretty balanced about that. And most of what you'll hear me refer to can be found in state documentations. And the third point is, overall, I'm really looking forward to this series because I think it's going to be a, remi a reminder summation of a college class I took in 2010 called the Israeli-Palestinian Conflict. But it will include updated information in the past 10 years in UNFTR socioeconomic lens and critique. Apologies in advance for the long emails coming your way. No apology is necessary. One of the things that I asked for at the end of the episode was feedback. Because feedback will be incorporated into not, not just my thought process and putting this together with questions that I can answer, but also you know, perspectives and uh, information that you can give me. Uh, but it's, it's going to be important for us to address this head on uh, in show notes in between these episodes coming out. Just one other quick note here. There will be a temptation as I've seen it on social media. And obviously, I think we're all being bombarded on social media and uh, in our emails and in everyday conversations with people sharing hot takes uh, or sharing, look at this video that this person put together or look at this article here. Or uh, I really don't engage in that. If you send me resources that are hot takes or videos or uh, look at this footage from this or that, I pretty much discount all of that because I am going through and doing more of a historical analysis. But I will look at official lines. I will look at state state policies. And, uh, you know, so I think if state officials say it, you have to believe that it's an official policy. So we'll look at stuff like that. But I'm not following social media accounts. I'm not going to, you know, take any of those critiques or criticisms or anybody's hot take on an issue and incorporate it into my thought process or my research because there's so much great research available out there um, that to distill it down to a hot take, I think, does us all a disservice. So uh, that's my editorial note there. On to RafeRaf99. What do we got? It's our buddy down under. Yeah, so this is also, uh, we referenced it a few weeks back, but this is feedback RafeRaf sent in before the episode. So I just wanted to right. add that in. So oppression breeds violence, which is why Israel's apartheid system needs to be dismantled, not the state of Israel itself. The calls to, quote, exercise restraint while understandable miss that Israel has offered no restraint in its brutalization of Palestinians. To me, calling for restraint essentially means calling for reverting to the status quo that let this violence fester. So in essence, the message I'm hearing is, hey, Palestinians, shut the fuck up and take oppression lying down, which is why I'm so fucking up the wall right now. Yeah, so hopefully we've been able to, as 99 notes, this is uh, prior to the episode dropping, right? Yes. Okay. So hopefully we've been able to kind of quell this um, uh, this feeling that we're going to tell one side to shut the fuck up or not, or have a, a take on on what the, the official views are from the Palestinian government and um, or Palestinian representative government and the Israeli government. So, look, there are going to be history ebbs and flows. What I'm not going to do is provide justifications or excuses as much as I'm going to provide a rationale for how certain policies developed. And I'm going to be extremely careful to uh, to portray the multiple takes from uh, authority, meaning that the state of Israel, when we talk, when we talk about that, we, we usually talk in terms of power structures and power imbalances. The power balance within Israel lies with the Likud party and other far-right elements currently that have contributed to takes like this, where it's 
Palestinians shut the fuck up and take oppression lying down. Whereas the state of Israel in the past has had a more nuanced, a balanced take. And some may dispute this, by the way, but a more nuanced take because it came out of the democratic socialist tradition, which is why the kibbutz became so important. The the larger narrative and the historical roots of Israel when it became a, a nation state on, unto itself. So I'm, I'm going to be pretty careful with all of this stuff because, as I said in, in the intro episode, what we say, how we portray this conflict, what we choose to propagate matters because it, it contributes to public sentiment and the United States will craft policy based on public sentiment. So there's a thing called natural language processing that the government uses to gauge sentiment of a population. They're not the only ones that do it, but NLP is a tactic that was generated between the government sector, but also the military, and then went into the big tech. And it's used to determine how people feel about a product, how people feel about a a celebrity figure or a politician or what have you. But it's also used to determine what official policy should be based upon. So it's better than polling data, mind you. It's also used in humanitarian resources as well. What is the general sentiment of people that live in a specific region where we can't get to them? We can at least find out how they're feeling. Are they terrified? Are they in fear? Are they cut off from any sort of help after a natural disaster? There are organizations that gather public sentiment by listening to what's happening through media, through the comments on media, what's happening through social media to determine what is going on in a particular place. So our government uses that to determine what the policy is. This can go either way. Let's look at this really clinically for a second, right? It is undeniable that there is more sympathy and support for the Palestinian cause today than five years ago. Certainly way more than 10 years ago, right? Yeah. A lot of the facts on the ground haven't changed all that much. Now, a lot of the laws have, a lot of the a lot of the approach legally, I would say that the structures of power have shifted over the last decade. But in terms of attitudes, behavior, I don't think that we were as aware as aware or as sympathetic to the Palestinian the plight of the Palestinian people uh, as we were to the right and the fate of Israel. I'll just say that kind of blanketly instead of saying like, you know, the cause of Israel or what or how Israel behaves in the world or, or statecraft that they deploy. And a lot of that comes through public sentiment and social media and the norms that have changed over time. And you can almost see it sort of change over time. Now, of course, the danger if you are, if you're Jewish is that there's a balance that tips and goes towards anti-Semitism, which we know how that that ends, and that ends in that ends in violence. Um, it starts with violent language, and it starts with uh, othering uh, people who are are Jewish, but may may have some sort of not fealty but tie or connection to Israel. Or so, people. The scary part, sorry, mm-hmm. is it might be people who quote look Jewish or have quote Jewish names who might not even be Jewish. So it's. Not yeah. only is it dangerous to Jewish people, but anybody who's under and that's why fire. I say it starts with violent rhetoric first, where it, it others Jewish people again in a way that is very reminiscent of how 
most of the pogroms are, or I don't want to just just always lean on the Holocaust because there's there's so much research about the buildup to the Holocaust. But any any sort of any any displacement or or any violence, physical violence against the Jewish community over time, and pretty much anywhere in the world, begins with that sort of violent rhetoric. So when you when you hear Jews talk about please please dial it down. Remember that the Jewish people have a right to do this or to do that. It's coming from not just a place of fear or or even nationalistic tendencies. It's coming from a very lived experience and and, and intergenerational trauma that has occurred over over history. On the on the flip side of things, I think it's a positive development that somehow Palestinian people went from sort of an unknown quantity or the others in the Arabic region to actually having a a national identity and personhood and in you know people that could be empathized with so that's a good thing but finding the balance in treating everybody as a human being is what gets lost in times of war and then everybody goes back and gets entrenched in their sides and then whatever their natural inclinations are they just sort of rise to the surface when it bubbles to the surface, it finds itself nowadays as different than it used to be through the opinion pages or demonstrations in the street. Public sentiment that can be gauged in the comments sections on YouTube through social media. Tragically, now here's here's something fucked up for everybody to think about. Here's a tragic thing about Twitter. The most public and easily scrapable platform to gauge public sentiment is Twitter. That's just how the platform is constructed. Facebook is a closed environment. It's not impossible to penetrate and gather sentiment. But for the most part, that data belongs to Facebook. Whatever they choose to sell is theirs to sell. They do have partnerships with the government, though. So different than what data can be aggregated from independent contractors, uh, that that data is aggregated from the government. So if you're posting on Facebook, the government is is pulling the metadata for that, and they understand the sentiment there. But what's happening on Twitter, X, whatever the fuck you want to call it, we actually have a, a nice suggestion from a listener here we'll get to. But anything that happens on Twitter is actually scraped and is fed into the sentiment you know, machines. And that's what they talk about with natural language processing. What do these comments mean? What do they mean when they're coming from other languages? What does it mean from regional perspective? And what is this person's bio? What is their makeup? What's their ethnicity, how old are they, where do they live, what's their what's their gender, all those kind of things get factored into it and then the government sort of gets a, a feel for how things are going. You, this is how they design policy and that's why I tell people you got to be so fucking careful. The the one place that is not pulled from as easily is the podcast universe. Yet. But the the meta descriptions from podcasts, the trans, transcripts from podcasts are now all being pulled into and assimilated into these algorithmic exercises. And so it's getting good. It's getting it's they're really strong. They are. The search functionality still seems to be a little fucked, but I imagine that the the full on metadata getting pulled into these programs that they're able to kind of synthesize sentiment. Yeah. I ser- yeah. I mean, I searched for just from like a search power. One of the clips you use that like you didn't you forgot the link, you couldn't find the link. I like copied I quoted what they were saying and it served me up the YouTube from video. a pod from a from a YouTube clip. But from how U- many but how but how many YouTube videos or how many podcasts are on YouTube at this point? So all our shits going I, in. Or, I don't know and I wonder. So yeah. I think a, a lot and yeah. even 
I think Spotify, they, they all transcribe, they all have their own things running underneath. So yeah. it's like at this point, it's maturing. It's right around yeah. the corner. But I was sure. amazed at that search that it, it found me the clip right away. So I don't have to put the clips in it anymore. No, please, please do. <laughs> I'm sorry for that oversight. <laughs> so hopefully, anyway, the message here is careful what you say on social media because uh, it does show up and, and, and it mixes into sentiment. You could hurt people's feelings and or yeah, also accidentally be human. you could, you know, start a war. Yeah, or like, uh, what what's the opposite of denounce? Announce, <laughs> renounce. Nope, that's also denounce. Support. Yes, thank you. Mm-hmm. I was looking for like a, a, a like a opposite in a yeah. you know yeah. um, you could support terrorism. Yeah, <laughs> on both sides. Well, uh, look at the everyone all all very good people. Look at the old man who uh, was only taking in far right wing you know propaganda and killed his tenants. You know his Muslim tenants. I don't know about that. The um, or oh, was it while you were away? I don't know. It might have been. There's a anyway. I well, you know what? I don't even want to repeat That's it sad. because it. Well, it's horrible. It's I, horrible. I didn't it, yeah. know. I didn't know. I did not hear that. And, and now a young I'm sad. Palestinian boy was stabbed, uh, stabbed to death twenty seven times no, by his landlord. Stop because, telling me that. Who he considered a grandfather? Ugh. Because he had taken in so much right wing propaganda. Jesus fucking. So Christ. you know this stuff does matter. Um, you That's know terrible. when you think you're just sort of blindly sharing a headline or a something that appeals to you. Here's it. You know what? I think this tangent's worth it. As opposed to the other ones we have. Yeah. I'm gonna this is a tangent on a tangent, just to show you how duped we all are. So somebody I know very, very well used to work for a company that would take news clips and raw footage from news clips. So they had a subscription to there's news services out there that will go around and take footage of things that are happening at courts, war zones, you know, just, you know, kind of mundane things, protests, rallies, things like that. And that's that's called B-roll. The B-roll is put up into these national and sometimes international services and news organizations that have a membership to those services will use that as B-roll. So that's how everybody can have the same footage. What you say about the footage and how you interpret the footage is what really matters. So the person I'm referring to worked for a company in the run-up to the 2016 election. And uh, what they did was they hired a bunch of young kids, young out-of-work kids that were good-looking and had like a communications degree. So they had a little bit of either social media or on-camera experience. And they gave them scripts. And it was a left take, a middle take, and a right take. They would read those scripts and then they would put in the B-roll and then at the end they would provide commentary scripts. So it would be the intro, the actual B-roll, spoken word over it, and the outro would be uh, the the editorialized version of what they just saw, right? They packaged those up and they would sell those to outlets. Could be Fox News, could be a, a newspaper chain, could be a startup media company or whatever it was, right? So the biggest expense for them was was getting the footage from these services. But they sliced and diced the, quote, packages so many different ways. They could go to a media outlet like uh, like a Sinclair um, uh, Broadcasting. That's a, a notoriously right-wing broadcast entity. And they would put together video packages for their websites, audio packages for their um, for their radio stations. And they would distribute those. 
And then they would take the same B-roll with the same talking head, but different scripts. And then they would go out to what they would consider more liberal outlets and say, hey, I have my liberal, you know, take. So when I was talking to him about, well, how's that going? And this was at a point where I was adamant that Hillary Clinton was going to be the president. And this is a person that I don't value their political opinion, might I also say. And I said, uh, and he was he was pushing me and he was pushing my buttons on purpose saying, I don't know. I think this Trump's got a good shot. And I said, what makes you so fucking confident that this guy's even going to get like 10% of the vote? Because I just don't get it. I, I, Hillary Clinton's going to be the next president. And he said, because I can't sell any of my liberal packages. Everything I'm selling is a, is a right-wing package. And that's when he described to me what all of this, of how they went about their job. And he had no compunction about putting this together, about this type of service, right? So yeah, no moral compass. No, zero moral compass. But, it, you know, it was all about how many packages they could sell. He said... The only stuff that moves is my is my conservative packages, and it, and it, and it gave me pause, and I was like, "Huh, okay." Um, I know that right wing media is easier to monetize, and there's deeper pockets there. Like intellectually, I kind of know this. And then again, these are also public companies, so this isn't the Daily Wires. This is before that era of the the individual billionaire funding a a native Daily Wire type operation, where it's just going to be their ecosystem. This is. This is the general public media that is owned by the public, like you know, play, public corporations. Would it, play, it would play on like you turn on Channel 5 and it, they would play that clip or more like No, when YouTube. you go to Channel 5's website. Okay. Right? So they have their packages for TV okay. and then their problem is that their their news operation can only get so much local news. Then they have to have national packages. And what okay. these guys were doing was just turning out a torrent of multiple takes on the same footage and same clips so they would have their writers would get in at four o'clock in the morning and bang out 20 scripts for a piece of raw footage right and then the talking heads would come in like around seven they would read those takes they get those takes the editors had to have the packages done by like eight o'clock and they would feed it to all these newsrooms by nine o'clock so that the web masters at the newsrooms could get all of that stuff up on the websites so for more information, make sure to go to our website, Fox5LA for blah, blah, blah. And you would see these little packages. And that's how the news is designed, right? That's how I knew there was something amiss. And and maybe I, w- maybe I wasn't as certain after that dinner that I had with this person uh, that my take was, was as rock solid as I thought it was. I just as a, obviously this doesn't prove or... Doesn't it feel like, though, that the the right or the left would be more discerning, perhaps, and that's why they didn't sell as well? Or no, you think local news is local news is local news? I think it's a reflection of... So one of the best pieces of propaganda uh, that exists that has... It's almost unbeatable at this point is that the media has a left-wing bias. Like, mm-hmm. that's it. That's just something everybody knows to say. The liberal media, right. because they've said it over and over and over. They won that battle, right? The facts are that right. most public media, and so what, when I say that, I'm saying radio and television station operators, the people that own the public access type of media channels, are predominantly conservative, moderate to very, very conservative. So you've got the right down the middle of the road, all the way to the Sinclair Broadcastings that actually have conservative mandates, even though they're on public spectrum, right? I just think there's more of them. So you look at community newspapers, and I'm talking I'm not talking about your little local community paper that gets put in your mailbox. I'm talking about those regional papers that are spread all throughout the country that are not the New York Times. Those regional papers tend to have more conservative leanings 
on balance because they're owned by wealthy families or private equity companies that have come in to backstop private families and consolidate them. I'm talking to you, Warren fucking Buffett. And they will have slightly more conservative takes. They all have websites. And the one thing that print journalists are really bad at doing is coming up with video packages and audio packages and well, supplementary yeah, print media journalists packages. are really bad at that. You know, you can't print video. Yes, exactly. So <laughs> it's really it, hard for them. It is. Whereas a in TV, you can actually put the transcript up of your stuff and you can you can blog and you do all these things. The print publications, they don't have stuff to put online that is as compelling. So if you want a video, like a really kick-ass video section for your print publication, where are you getting that from? Well, these guys will sell you packages at the low, low cost of X amount of dollars per thousand for the advertising shares that they all pull together. And then who's advertising on those networks? It's big pharmaceutical companies. It's the military contractors and all that kind of stuff. It is a, it is a glorious, glorious network of conservative thought that just helps us circle the well. I was just thinking of everything that plays during Jeopardy. Yeah. It's all it's all Pharma drug companies ads. and Eggland's Best. What's Eggland's? <laughs> what are you saying? Eggland's Best. Eggland's Best? What's the, Eggland? The egg company, EB. Why do they have to advertise? They're always on Jeopardy. Really? Yeah. It's are they EB. competitor to Land O'Lakes? Does Land O'Lakes make eggs? Sure. Then yeah. Okay. But I don't know that Eggland's Is best. Big Egg a problem? Oh my God. Wait, that is the funny. I, I'm talk, I talk about Big Egg all the time to the point where it's a, <laughs> it's a joke with me and my friends. Like, any, I made her break like a Taylor Swift friendship bracelet that said Big Egg. Get the fuck out of I'm, here. I, this, this conversation from when you said Big On is only for my sister who is in on the joke and my other friend now. That's hysterical. So, uh, big Egg exists. Wow. The end. And the end. Uh, eat just egg. Or it's vegan egg. That the tangent there yeah. was, I believe, to say, don't trust these little short snippets that don't you see on em. Instagram because we don't know who's creating them. Don't share them. Yeah, don't don't trust them. Don't share Just them. Just to tie don't it back feed together. the algorithm. Yes, and don't eat eb. And I'm curious to hear from unfuckers if if they're interested at all if if that if what i just described was news to them because i was i think it is gobsmacked because <laughs> when i learned of it you know who's going to these fucking websites and because especially you go and it's just like your whole browser is taken over by ads and shit they're the worst user experience yep. and, and the only reason i'm ever there is to read local news mm-hmm. you know if like someone drove their car through a window I wanted to read more about it. Definitely. And so they probably have one of their fucking videos on there. Mm-hmm. So. Yep. With nine pop-ups yeah. asking you to do something in like just ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. Would you say would like a would like a Newsday do those or they ha- they're big enough to make their own stuff? Uh, they specifically make their own stuff. Okay. I know that for sure. I was just curious. Yeah. No, the regional regional publications. Unfuckers, tell me, go to your local, whatever the local regional publication is. Go to their website. Tell me what you see, because I doubt it's a package that's that's uh, that's actually produced are, by them. Are we talking so like the patch? Like the patch is nope. Patch will be different. Okay. Yeah, patches and that <laughs> patch didn't work either. There's still patches around, which fucking blows my mind. We have mind. patches. But that that company went upside down inside of like 18 months. They still terrible. have my friend's mugshot on their website. Oh, my goodness. They wouldn't take it down. Seriously? Yeah. I offered to help her take it down, and she was too stubborn. And she was like, I tried. And I said, I bet you didn't try as hard as I will. Yeah. And uh, still up there, so. 
understand. Mugshots are wrong, too. Yes. It's all other things. Except when they're funny. I'm just kidding. Mine's beautiful. That is, I mean. Most beautiful mugshot. He's not wrong. mugshots. He's going to be like, you know, the. They're going to start calling them Trump shots. (laughs) The model. There's like a young yes. young man and he has a modeling contract. I said good for him. Good for him. Good for him. Now he's a model. I'm sure he did something vaguely not that bad. This is from a long time ago. Yeah, he had right? like really stark blue yes. eyes. Yeah, like, I think he got into like terrible trouble again. I think like <sighs> that all worked out for him and then he got really got into oh, trouble. No. Oh no. All right, let's get into some general feedback here. We're already over an hour. And uh my apologies for the diversion. I hope you found it interesting. Yeah, a little slice of your weird brain. Yeah. Do I know that person? Yeah. Oh, you'll have to tell me. I will. Uh, general feedback. While this is from A. I don't know who A is. That was just what they said. While we diverge significantly politically, I both look forward to and enjoy each week's episode. Thank you so much. Found you guys while looking for podcasts about Eugene Debs to listen to on my early, early morning commute and have been working my way through each episode since. As a former military officer, now in education, The First Amendment and the free exchange of ideas are sacrosanct to me. I love that. Me too. What you do presenting a progressive position without condescension and with fact rather than opinion and emotion is crucial to both living in a democratic society and having an informed electorate. We don't always agree, but I learn something each time I listen. You'll soon be counting me as a subscriber. Well, A, thank you for that. Uh, And I'll say this again because it's, I always find it fascinating. We have a pretty healthy subset of our audience is military or former military. Uh, and I love hearing from people who are currently enlisted or from veterans, because I think that they have, when we talk about agency and discussions, these are people that really have agency in the American experience discussion. That's not to say that anybody else doesn't. It's just that they kind of went to the next level of committing themselves to the idea of America. So uh, I always appreciate that feedback, and I appreciate you writing in. Thank you. Yeah, and a lot of times people think, assume they might be conservative, but it's like, no. Sometimes when you go inside, you come out, you That's come right. out different. Yep, they always have so, great perspective. Yeah. Uh, next, we heard from Phil Tribble, hmm. and this is what Max was referring to before. They said nobody is settled on a way to talk about Twitter these days. I refuse to use the name that Elon Musk has been trying to turn into a global finance juggernaut since last century, but I saw one treatment of the new moniker, which was amazing, and I wanted to share it with you. X Twitter, as in cue the music, Manny, all my exes live in Texas. All my exes live in Texas. I think you guys could make that work on audio and help spread the digital emigration as people look for alternatives to social media and alternative news sources. I like it. Phil Tribble writes in X as an EX dash Twitter. Uh, and I like that distinction. So we should refer to it as X Twitter from now on. Yeah. yeah. I I still, I'm with him. Like, I'm not calling it X. I will call it Twitter. I call it Twitter if I'm... Well, what's so stupid to me is that what are the tweets? X's. I mean, really? Xing. They're officially apparently now called posts. So, yeah. The worst part for the me... worst at as, as someone in the creative industry is like, their help is still like help.twitter.com. And like they haven't updated all their title tags right. and like a lot of the shit still says Twitter. And it's like, you, do you even care about your, like, you don't, I mean, he doesn't care. He doesn't. No. And he has. And I love that Phil Tribble brought this out, that he's been trying to push X because that's oh. originally what his PayPal, right. PayPal was owned, remember, by Peter Thiel. X was owned by Dumbass. And SpaceX. And now we got SpaceX. I'm, I'm shocked he hasn't changed. He, he has probably tried to change the name of Tesla 
because he wants to be Google. Like he wants to make this an everything platform. He, he wants to have yeah. payment. He wants to have streaming. And it's like, we don't need that. You're trying to build the internet again. We have the internet. And exactly. I can only imagine the type of shit he's saying right now on, exactly. on X Twitter. Jackass. What else do we got here? So, oh, let's go over to Facebook. I feel like you should read this in an Irish accent. Oh, uh, why? So he can make fun of me? Yeah. All right. Well, here's a wee poem from Bobby McDee. Musk is such a sad bunny, trying to buy happiness with his money. First, he sent Twitter right down the shitter. And boy, we all thought that was funny. But now he wants Wikipedia to change its name to Dickipedia. Oh, Elon, why hold this noise just to impress the incel boys when no one really takes any heed of you? There you go. I think that was good. Well, we'll, we'll see. I I'm sure it he was, thinks it's a travesty. If you were like a leprechaun in a cartoon, I'd believe it. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. I saw Saoirse Ronan on a show uh, talking about how to do the Irish accent because I'm obsessed with two things, how to do accents and Saoirse Ronan. And uh, she's like, for some reason, everybody starts by do, trying to do an Irish accent. And then it by goes go, to Macon. Hey, by going up here like that. And she's like, it's just, you know, no one talks like that. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, leprechauns. So I was trying to, trying to keep that. Yeah, everybody talks like the Lucky Charms dude. Hey, Musky's such a sad bunny. <laughs> Anyway, thank you for that, Bobby McDee. Bobby McDee killing it in the Facebook group this week. Yeah. And then speaking of Facebook, Eric J. kicked off a thread by taking on the boomer issue we covered from Linda P.'s feedback in show notes. And there's a lot of comments there and very, very fine people in all generations. Very fine people. Here's what I have to say about (laughs) it. And I honestly think people are so mad at me. I think I can put this to rest. You started it. No one's mad at me, though, because I'm all your fault. Yeah. I think I could put the issue to rest, and Go I'm serious. It. When we talk about racism and we talk about the disservice white people have done in the world, yeah, I'm not talking about you. Like I know that you didn't colonize America and, and the indigenous people, yeah. but we as white people have to bear the brunt of like, yeah, our race has done this. It's the same thing with your generation. We're not talking about mm. you. It's not you. We're not literally calling up, hello, you person, you boomer. Fuck you for what you did. Are you that attached to your moniker? I find it weird that people are so attached beyond just for comedic purposes to their generations. I think, well. You see, it was a great uh, comedian did something about like, you know, generations and everybody being tied to their generations. Like, you wouldn't see, you know, like the oldest, older people do that thing, like doing something ridiculous, like calling themselves, I don't know, the the greatest generation. (laughs) Yeah. But it's true. People are so fucking tied to their generations. Like, and maybe, I don't know. As a Gen Xer? Well, I think your generation Nobody thing, looks at us. You're, that's, the, that's your thing, though. Your thing is that you guys all got lost in the mix. Yeah, we were asleep. Yeah. yeah. So that's that tracks with it. It's like a, it's like a horoscope. Like, it's fair. It really is. It's, it's your sign. So... But when people insult Gen Xers, I don't... I'm like, okay. Like, when they... We were the slacker generation. And we, we sort of leaned into it. We made reality bites, and then everybody got a job, mm-hmm. and we fucking moved on. Like... Why everybody takes their own generation so seriously is kind of beyond me. Well, yeah. So that's what that's what I I task everyone to look a little to look inward and outward. It's not we're not talking to you. We're talking about what your generation did as a whole. Right. Sure, you were there for it, but I I'm pretty sure if you were listening, you're not one of the people we're talking about. Just like hopefully, you're not one of the people who's trying to like wage 
uh, a war against black people in this country and, you know, continue the economic inequalities. Like, I hope you're not doing that. And we're not talking about you, but you still have to be cognizant and aware of what you've your people have done. You I people. would like to ask Boomer something, though, oh, uh, God, of our go. Boomer audience. No, Boomer Esiason? Uh, no, not Boomer. Boomer Esiason. Are you another impressed? Qu- another quarterback that we got at the end of his fucking career? We got Boomer, we got Favre, and now we got fucking Rogers, and nobody did anything when they got here. You anyway, didn't answer me. Are what? you impressed? You said Boomer size? Yeah, I know his no, last name. No, you're a sports fan. I'm not, not like know that. You know stuff about our team. I just know him from Boomer Garden. Yeah, well, yeah. So, <laughs> I wanted you to tell me you were proud of me for I am knowing proud of you. something. I am proud Thank of you, you, but I assume you know most I'm things. looking for affirmation. You've got all of it. Thank you. So I would ask my boomer. So I was listening. You know, my favorite show is uh, Rewatchables, and they were covering the Big Chill and I remember Big, Big Chill kind of vaguely. I was too young to appreciate it. Were I you just, saw it as I was older. This? Yeah. And I got in a fight with you and I was wrong. Were you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. About Kevin Klein. He's That's much right. older than I thought he was. So yes. I, I rescind that. Sorry. So in the Big Chill, the, their interpretation of the Big Chill, and, and actually some of the, what some of the characters speak, and this is sort of, I think, Kasdan's view on the world is, the malaise that that fell over the boomer generation was that they all grew up thinking that they were going to change the world. And then many of them actually did. And then there was no next step. And then they got absorbed because they all had to make money and they fell into real life and they got absorbed into it. And that boomers actually had for for many, many years had a great sense of loss and mourning over their younger selves in a way that other generations had not because they were sandwiched in between their parents who did fight in wars and then but you know and then what their them agitating against wars and making some so civil rights movement you know coming out of the civil rights movement but the anti-war movement getting into the women's rights movement movement pay movement. equity and all those kind of things that they felt a real sense of ownership and then they went into the system and then kind of left their left those sensibilities behind so if you're in our audience and you're part of the boomer generation was there a sense, was there a part of you that kind of mourned that experience, that mourned growing up in a, in a way that maybe we don't appreciate? I'd be curious to know. I think millennials have a almost a, a mirror image of that or a reflection of we watched the world change also. And we were old enough to not have cell phones and computers like, in, you know, I mean, computers existed, obviously, but like we've we've seen the the transformation transformation from literally vcr to blu-ray to streaming like we were there for mm. this big technological i forget how old you you people are now yeah exactly mm. you know we're in our 30s like i think the youngest millennials are probably in their mid 20s mm-hmm. to i i think early 40s and different than the boomers not invited to participate economically yes and but also so i think we also long for we have the sanitized and romanticized version of what the boomers went through. Mm-hmm. And I think that informs a lot of like what we want to do. We want to fight. We want to have all right, of that. Right, so I think right. we have actually some sort of that's interesting. some mirrors of each other yeah. because Gen Z, you know, your kids are Gen Z, right? Oh yeah. Like computers that they were born into that, mm-hmm. you know, literally iPad babies. <laughs> like And more activist oriented from the get go because they, they no they've choice. been exposed to post nine so eleven world. Exposed to everything. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Your your kids weren't alive during no, because you lived in the city, didn't you? Uh no, yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. Right. 
Yeah. I mean, unless you have a different child that you had during that time. No, no, no. Are you trying no. to tell me something? No, no, no. no. Okay. Uh, our uh, our eldest was conceived on our last night in New York. I thought the, <laughs> the night of 9-11. Yeah. And the reason we left New York was was after 9-11. So, yeah. Okay. So, I, I, again, it, so that it, really, the, it's that, not that, a direct That time really, that, like, it got you going. Uh, <laughs> we're like, let's fuck. <laughs> the world's on fire. Let's kill all brown people and let's year, fuck. It was a year later. We I don't believe that. We finally sold our apartment. And, uh, but yeah, she was conceived the uh, our very last night on an air mattress, no less. Ew. Why is that ew? I don't know. It's it the last thing so our apartment. not sexy. Uh, well, it was at the time. I Was it? Yeah, totally. I feel like the floor is better at that point. I mean, you know, I'm fragile, you know. I don't need to be on a... There's no reason to be fucking on a hardwood floor if you have an air Have you seen available. the notebook? You know I haven't seen the notebook. Well, they make it look very comfy. And But we all know it's not, right? So, like, it's not also, it's also not comfy on, on the kitchen island and, and how, or clearing the tablecloth off, you know, the dining room table and, and fucking on the table. When you have a perfectly good bed in the next room, like, well, let's they just be practical They can't wait. This. And they don't mind cleaning up. But that's glass. movie shit, right? Well, There's yeah. a perfectly good air mattress there. It's already blown up. It's not like I stopped and was like, hang on. <laughs> no, I, I imagine you did. They didn't have electric pumps. You had to do it with your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> hang on. I'll be right with you. You died before it happened. <laughs> um, well, yeah. So right. the end. <laughs> the end. So what's next here? I don't know. Instagram. <laughs> we heard from your friend. Oh, Franny Fia. Yes. She's Yay. a great title. I just wanted to shout her out. I felt I was like, wow. Hi, Franny. We're friends. Thank you. Um, and then Pure Vision Equines said, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This is exactly what I've been needing as my ADHD has been refusing to cooperate with thoroughly reading recently. So my very general understanding of the background of Israel and Palestine really needs some filling in before I can comfortably tighten my grip on the opinion of the current situation. And once again, you guys are coming through for us. Thank you for your measured approach and your dedication to informing with minimal bias we're all biased somehow, and keeping this fact in mind helps keep the rudder straight instead of allowing it to sway the course. May the gods guide you to truth and watch over all the innocents in need of their protection. Wow. Jeez. Very moving. Thank you, Pure Vision Equines. <laughs> and Dialectic... Oh, Dialectics MC. Oh, it's been a while. What's going on? So, they're, they're unhappy with you. Oh, okay. They said, cool, dot, dot, dot. Got to deal with some contradictions in your politics at some point. The bourgeois is, is uh, the this bourgeois word? rep. Yeah, I always mm-hmm. get confused between the spelling of bourgeoisie and bourgeois. Yeah, so I, it's like I have to pause. So the bourgeois rep AOC, which you called a revolutionist, mm-hmm. effectively voted to fund the Iron Dome. That's right. And check out what she's been up to lately. If you can't even act against the genocide, forget revolutionists. You're not even a progressive. Talking about AOC, I covered the uh, Iron Dome issue, by the way. Uh, so dialectic MC, I don't know if you saw that, but anyway, I, I hear you. I hear you. Um, and, uh, you know, come at me. Let's uh, let's talk about my contradictions in my politics. General comments, Tim V said, hey, team, I really love your episode on Peter Thiel. Well, that's a callback. And I think I found a new subject for the next episode on socioth- sociopathic tech billionaires. Oh, Mark Andreessen. This, though, was inspired by the following essay. Let me know what you think about the idea of covering this guy. Uh, and he shared uh, Ed Zitron's Where Your Ed At... Everything looks like a nail. It's it's like a. Where's your Ed? That's Everything his newsletter. Like Got it. His name, it's cute because his name's Ed. Got Where's it. your head? Yeah, I I will I will definitely check out that. So it's funny. Andreessen is uh, is such a is such a huge player in the world of big tech. 
and he's just not somebody I've ever like committed a lot of thought to. So I'm aware of, of him, but I haven't dug into him. So thanks, man. Yeah, dig it. I think the name Mark should always be spelled with a C. I like the way it looks better. It's it's like Mark rather than Mark. Is Carl a K or a C to you? Ooh. In your mind's eye. In my mind's eye, it's a C. For as, as, as much as I've read Mark's, it's still a C. Mine went to K, unfortunately, for Carl Lagerfeld. I would, had just been talking about him a couple weeks ago. Okay. Or like days ago. Okay. So I don't have a, a clean answer though. All right. But yeah, I think I like Mark with a C. My English teacher was Mark with a C. Okay. Uh, His first name. We were on I'm first fine. name basis. I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that. We can approve that. Okay. All right. Everyone, We've stipulated. Mark it, with a K. Made it so change your name. Yeah. Sorry. Oh, Godolf, by the way, is over on YouTube. If we switch over to YouTube here for a minute. Godolf said, this is what you get is not the same thing as this is what you deserve. Meaning, can you condemn the brutal actions of Hamas while acknowledging they exist for a reason? So that's a quote from the intro episode. That's and what Godolf I was trying to said, reference before. Amazingly succinct. I wish you, I wish I had your clarity of thought and speech, Max. Uh, this is going in my back pocket for future conversations. So quick take on that is I said that. So a lot of times I, I, I work things out with uh, people I love and... I just start saying stuff and I work them out and I say them over and over and I work them around in my head and I do a lot of walking. And so I'll read a lot of shit and then I just walk it off and we'll start repeating things. This refrain has been in my head from the from October 7th forward because so many people were quick to blame uh, Palestinians and then on the left so fast to blame Israel right away for the atrocities that happened to Israelis. And I just kept returning to that refrain that this, and and it was landing when I said it to people, and you know, in in the heat of the moment, again, tight group, loved ones. I just kept saying this over and over, and I really felt like that was going to become the central thesis of everything. So the fact that you picked up on that, Godolf, is like uh, really rewarding because that's I I haven't changed my mind on that, and I think that's just that one sentiment is kind of what's been fueling my approach this entire time. I like it. Del Guess Guess You, 1836, a great intro. I'm equally intrigued by and somewhat dreading what follows. <laughs> I agree. I've only recently discovered UNFTR and it complements my thoughts on politics currently, but the Israel-Palestine conflict is one of the first things I remember caring about politically, dating back to a time when I was more right-leaning. So aside from the fact that I'll be finding some older ideas in my own head as you release more shows on the topic, the eight comments already show a smattering of this is great, but I think you should have mentioned and one person who found mysteriously, quote, disrespectful verbiage in the description, <laughs> beautifully illustrating how the emotion of having any involvement in a topic will cause either frustration or impatience in the information involved, even when we've been warned that this is only an introduction. You know what? I've changed my mind. I can't wait for more episodes. <laughs> so uh, I think that, I think that, that was, they're referencing unfucking the Republic. Yeah. I th- yeah. I think that was, uh, j- I think it's still jarring for people that just kind of come into it and they don't take it seriously. You know? I just like what are what is the the prudism with cursing? You've never seen the word fuck? Is it really like <gasps> well, I good think, heavens? I wonder though sometimes that people that are coming in, you know, because I, I so I'm putting out this very like academic approach and you know a very serious thumbnail to the video so let's and blah blah the blah. YouTube channel name to UNFTR Media. No, we could do that if you feel like it'll make people yeah. not to make people more comfortable, but maybe to bring more people in. Yeah. I'm fine with that. I re- you know, we've been leaning into UNFTR for a while now, specifically because of YouTube, uh, you know, not allowing content in the 
it's actually in the just the beginning stages of a video, but I bet they're going to revisit the, you know, yeah. the, you know, they're going to punish cursing. It's going to be like we know no a, matter where you we it. know a company that has a, an acronym in their name and I've asked multiple people what it stands for and they don't know. And I think it's going to be like that. You might know what it stands for. Oh, right. What does it stand for? Literally. So we're just going to become UNFTR and, and people are going to forget. Yeah. yeah. What God, unfucking no republic idea. is. Huh. Isn't that weird? So the I tortured myself and wrote it out a bunch of different ways in, back in 2020. UFTR mm. versus UNFTR. And because UFTR almost sounds more like a news outlet. You know? It sounds like a radio. Yeah. So because four yeah. sounds more broadcasty than than five, but UNFTR just looked right, just came off the page better, and it sounds. It's, and I didn't think we were going to lean into it this much, yeah. so I didn't think it mattered as much. But no, UFTR sucks. U UNFTR UNFTR yeah. UNFTR. Yeah. There's warmth there and is. there's like smoothness because yeah. of the N. I'm glad you feel that way. <laughs> UNFTR <laughs> and Intmarine. Said, great start, though I wish you'd slipped in a phrase to say there were also Christians and Druze living in the area for generations who were also then, as now, part of the groups who needed to get the heave-ho when Israel got the keys to the political power in the area from the English. And a little phrase slipped in that the existing, that the problem of existing population wasn't a surprise, but was discussed at length by Herzl, whose clever quip was to get them jobs in neighboring areas and not allow well-paying jobs at home so they would forget that they even wanted to go home. As to study and learning the info, my favorite phrase of all time is so very applicable. A phrase that was made when Rabbi Herschel was marching with MLK and was made as well by in the trailing days of World War II when he was a Holocaust survivor. Quote, Morally speaking, there is no limit to the concern one must feel for the suffering of human beings. Indifference to evil is worse than evil itself. And in a free society, some are guilty, but all are responsible. A few ideas here, and then uh, we'll we'll surge towards uh, the end here uh, with donations. But we used to have like three-hour show notes. It's fine. This you're is right. still short in comparison. This quote is is so beautiful. It's so central. It's so poignant. Um, and no matter which side you apply it on, it's true. It's also what I was trying to suggest by saying um, show some restraint on social media. Because we are all responsible. And showing restraint is not indifference. Studying, learning, absorbing the humanity on every side and, and looking looking at people as people, um, that's not indifference. That That's, you know, take your time and, and do this right. And then hopefully we can all come up because the bad takes and the hot takes will will find their way into public policy. So I appreciate you talking about that because like we were talking, we talk, had an offline conversation and that's what I've been struggling with a lot. You bet. And, you know, like, I don't feel, as a Jewish person, if I see people not posting, it doesn't, I don't feel unseen. That doesn't, like, nor do I feel seen with posting. Yeah. But it seems like it's the thing to do and what people, people who I respect are doing. And, you know, we were even talking about, like, in our real lives on LinkedIn. Oh, yeah. Like, people in our space are posting about it, and I feel very confused about what to do because it feels like I have to have all the answers. You made a great uh, analogy before about Black Lives Matter, though. Uh, yeah, I mean, I was having a conversation, kind of a stream of consciousness conversation with my roommate about how I was feeling like pressured to post, you know, is this what I should do as someone 
I mean, 99 doesn't have a platform, but like here I do technically, but like I don't have my own social, but like 99 is the person does have, you know, followers and a professional network. And for me, it felt very with, with the Black Lives Matter movement, it felt like it's extremely simple to me. Like, yes, we should post because we should express solidarity with the black community and we should denounce all the racism that was happening, the lives being taken, the lives being taken needlessly. It You're should, also talking about the very simple idea that Black Lives Matter. Yeah. What could be less complicated or controversial to get behind? Right. Hey, Black Lives Matter. Yeah. Cool. That there hey, is I'm with no you. <laughs> no nuance to me of like. Right. You can argue about if it's your brand's problem or mm-hmm. whatever. That's Absolutely. a different. Sto- that's a different story. And still, a, and still a really good conversation to have. Yes, I think it. I think that conversation is more relevant now than it is then, mm-hmm. because. We've had many, you know, heated conversations mm-hmm. or heated sounds angry, but sometimes they're angry about how much should we say as a company, as people mm-hmm. and what what is our duty? And for me, I always feel like, yeah, well, if it's basic human rights, then we should stand for it. And, you know, so like supporting LGBTQ plus people like that is a no brainer for me that yep. if that if there was a mass during Pride Month and beyond, we should support them and we should talk about it. And we should talk about injustices like all of that but there's anything regarding identity is usually pretty easy for us to rally around it's when it gets into action and policy like abortion for example it gets really tricky when you get into conflict zones it gets really tricky yeah i feel differently about the abortion one that one no that's what i'm saying that's where that's where the heated arguments anything that surrounded identity was pretty easy for us to jive with the only question became was uh how authentic are we do are we being and portraying this because if we don't have enough representation of it of an identity that we're you know purportedly standing in defense of so. right 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 just not being yeah performative performative activism is also right. but yeah so like those things but here it's like there there is no right answer and that's where i keep because you can stand with israel one day and you can stand against israel another day and you could stand with palestine and you can stand with hamas you can do all these things and everything changes by the minute by the hour and no one wants to say the wrong thing that's part of what makes me afraid and I, I you shouldn't be I know that's not a reason to not post but I just don't feel like I have the answers aren't you so I I really take life from how encouraging and moderate the responses have been to the first episode because obviously I've been losing sleep over over putting this together and it's in, and I'm really trying to be I'm trying not to do a both sides while also trying to be really factual about this trying not to be emotional and all of these things is such a del- delicate balance. The thing that's really given me life and inspiration is how the unfuckers have been interpreting this. Our audience, I think is, is next level in terms of sensitivity and also desire to learn. And I think that's what kind of separates our audience from a lot of audiences that are absorbing information because they want to know what the most recent, how should I feel about this? What am I mad about today? Whereas yeah. unfuckers are like, yeah, this motherfucker is going to teach me something cool. I hope I didn't know about it and I can I can walk away elevated, right? Yeah, and I you know, there's also the other side of we're not a reactive news organization. Right. So like we're not I'm not on Instagram making a a post about something when it happens. I don't have the time and also that's just not literally not our makeup. Like we we think, you think, you write, nope. we discuss. So hot takes are almost always partially wrong at a minimum right so and people you know but i think 
I also was talking about this yesterday when I was, you know, rambling, but I was saying like, I don't really listen to a political podcast other than like ours, which I, I don't think is a, a wrong thing to admit. You know, we do it every day. No, I'm not, it helps us diversify our interests. Yeah, so. but also, you know, might help listening, help to learn. At least do political adjacent, but I, I you don't have Im- to listen to anything else. The only take that matters is whatever I put on the page. I yeah, promise you. I, of course. I promise you. Is this NLP? Um, but but I can imagine that if Marianne Williamson did something really weird and like I felt weird about it, I can imagine wanting to learn about from it from conspirituality. Like I can mm-hmm. imagine looking to them as a source, as a trusted source, because what is news and what are opinions if not just something you're hearing from someone else? Right. right. That's what news is. So. I understand why people would want us to like immediately say something. And so that's where the push and pull comes for me of like in, in this vein. And then the push and pull of my personal life, like I said, it's just like, is this the right thing to do is, is that I have to say something? Am I, am I allowed to be quiet and, and not say something? Because I, but then I hear, you know, people in the industry say otherwise. And that I'm complicit. Silence is indifference. And that's it's why not, yeah. it's not it, it and and you're right that's why it's great that they tease that out there yeah which you know is also if you if i look if i look outside of myself it, that's it's a very selfish line of like thing to get stuck on and just to be like well what should i do should i pose and it's like hey 99 and i'm not i'm not saying i'm a selfish person but i think it's it just is a little like no, but that's a laugh how we at the all, landscape. That's how we're all hardwired. Like when you learn devastating news about the environment, you're like, what can I do? Right. You learn about animal rights activism. You're like, how can I do better? How can I make better selections and choices? And, you know, the idea uh, it's so, so many of the ideas that, that we put out there ultimately come back to voting either what you do in the booth or how you, or how you vote with your, with your pocketbook. Right. This is kind of the same. It's like you're, you're electing, you're voting through your through your public profile. The reason it's different today than it's ever been is because in the past we didn't have these avenues to express ourselves. It was literally either write a fucking column, talk about it in your local, you know, hair salon or bar or fucking demonstrate in the streets. That was right. the only way to gauge this type of public sentiment. Whereas now everybody's got a fucking opinion and a platform and a personality online and everyone's a brand. Sticker activism. Sticker activism is huge right now and and you know what? Get it right if you're going to do it. Like if and so if at the end of our series or at the end of your you know research by looking at actually authentic places and sources, you come up with a very decided opinion about this conflict or a certain aspect of it and you feel strongly about it, go for it. But just don't have a hot take based upon the thing that was just released in the news. Because remember, that thing that you just saw that was shared somewhere may be entirely manufactured. And additionally, uh, I've said before, like I remember... I was reading something. I can't remember when it was happening. And I was like, what news source is this? And it was like a right wing Israeli website because a lot. Yeah. So there's there's that. And there's just like if you're pro Israel, just because it's an Israeli source doesn't mean it's the source that's going to validate you Mm -hmm. or maybe you want it to validate you. And that's why you pick it. Or if you're maybe you're in the middle and maybe you just, you know, you want people to live and and co and coexist, and you don't want war. And it, you're looking for an article; it still might be from a far right, right. or like a right leaning publication on either side. It's like what you were saying. I think we did we talk about it in show notes maybe two weeks ago, just about you don't know what side is coming from, and everything's like if you look at 
the Israeli news is very heavily skewed, well, obviously skewed one way and right. vice versa. But like, but if you read Hayertz or Times of Israel, it's very anti Netanyahu, but right. again, pro pro Israel, but anti Netanyahu. And so you just never know what you're, you know, it's, I yeah. don't know, it's just, it's hard, man. Well, <laughs> this whole, the whole thing is hard. Side note, uh, Intmarine sent me down a, a little bit of a rabbit hole that I think is actually worth talking about because we will have some intersections with this as we go forward. The people of Palestine remains, even though I put that as a disclaimer in episode number one, that if you don't believe that the Palestinian people are a people, then there's really no there's no point in continuing on. But that's not to say that there is a Palestinian national identity that existed prior to what we consider the territory of Palestine. Territory of Palestine has existed. It was named by the Romans as such, and it's existed since the Roman Empire. But there are multiple ethnicities and religions that exist there. The Christians, which we'll definitely cover, and then the Druze. So I, I've i seen the Druze people referenced a, a number of times, and but Int Marie inspired me to, to go down the uh, uh, little bit of a uh, exploration there. So Druze people sometimes actually don't like to be referred to as such. They're referred to as Muwahideen, which is not to be confused with Mujahideen, which is the Islamic guerrilla fighters. But the Muwahideen are a closed monotheistic religion, meaning they will not let new people into it. So it is something that is uh, generational. Uh, it was a closed religion many, many centuries ago. That is more more like deism in my mind than anything else. But it's like it's it blends all the mono, monotheistic religions together with a little bit of deism in that God is not an active participant in your daily life. God is a is something that kicked off the universe and is you know, referred to as kind of the one, is a singular force and identity, but not somebody who gives a shit about, you know, which direction you pray in the morning. But they also believe that uh, in reincarnation, they recognize all of the prophets that Sounds came before. Sounds kind of nice. It's, it's, <laughs> the more I read about it, I'm like, it's kind of lovely. It's mostly in Arabic territories, but they too have a, a, di- a diasporic element. So now you can find... Uh, Muhadin people that are have live all throughout the the world, so Australia, Canada, some in the United States as well, and there are still you know in Palestine and uh, Israel. There's uh, a thing that they call occultated, which is the the I guess one of the major figures in in the, the religion disappeared one night, like literally disappeared, and this is during like parts of history that are like very recorded parts of history. Just kind of like went out for his night walk and then he disappeared. Was he captured? Was he killed? Was he taken by somebody? Or did he go to heaven? Who the fuck knows? Maybe he was reincarnated. Well, they say that uh, he actually will return someday when there's, you know, world peace and all the messiahs come together to finally just take over and make everything better. But uh-huh. a really fucking interesting religion yeah. for the most part. And I think what's the coolest part about it, which makes it even more like curious, is that you can't fucking be part of it. They're like, nope, we're good. Because they know they have something nice. They do. They're, they're like, like, we shut the doors 400 this. years ago. Go fuck yourself. Yeah. Interesting. Isn't that neat? Yeah. Yeah. Love learning. We didn't learn about this religion when we learned about religions. No. You know what? I don't know much about Baha'i either. Um, so it's a sect of Judaism that oh, there's so know. much, so much to learn. I know Zoroastrianism. Mm-hmm. I know Taoism. Well, like Tao. Ricky Gervais said, right? There's 2,000 religions recognize religions in the world so i just believe in one less than you mm. i love that sorry i, I didn't know that i was like i don't have any attachment to the quote because i didn't know it so no i'm sorry <laughs> like i was looking at you like remember me. that no huh? Huh? 
It was I great. Uh, I'm sure some people have seen it where he was on, uh, Ricky Gervais was being pushed by Stephen Colbert into a conversation that he clearly didn't want to have, but is always prepared to have about atheism. And he's mm-hmm. like, listen, there are 2,000 established religions, recognized religions in the history of the world. You know, and I don't believe in 2,000 of them. You don't believe in 1,999 of them. So if you look at it on that in that way, I, I believe in one less than you. So I think he's a big animal rights activist. He is. He's got a lot of good takes. But some, I think also things. like but weird, he also weird gets things. co-opted yeah, too. Weird stuff. He's been co-opted by the right because he, he called out Hollywood and then they turn it into like mm. this anti-woke campaign when he was really just talking. He also he was just like being ironic make and the office funny. and that's a, there's a lot of not PC stuff in there these days. Oh my God, yeah. It's Does a lot of it really doesn't pass hold the Bechdel test? I saw Hillary Swank interviewed about the hot or not episode and she's just like, you know what? <laughs> Whatever, man. I just... <laughs> I choose to portray women that I believe are beautiful all the time. Hell I yeah. I don't give a fuck what you think about how I look. Go for her. She was awesome. All right, let's get into donations said, and then get the fuck out of here. I was in the saddest movie on earth. Oh my God. Talk about the definition of unrewatchable. <laughs> yeah. To the end of the movie, I want to punch myself in the face. I'm like, God. We, did we talk about it once on air? Did I? Probably. Did, I can't remember if we talked about it and then I read the plot or read the plot and then we talked about it. But I was like, can I have the can someone br- like brain wipe that from existence? Fuck this movie. <laughs> Literally. And I was so into it. I'm like, I love boxing. It's my favorite. Yeah, here we go. It's great. Oh, Fucking what happened to her? How did she? No. <sighs> okay. Donations. Yeah. Someone's now a member. Thank, Thank you. you. <laughs> JF is now a member. Hey, Max, 99 Manny, I've been a fan for a long time, even turned my 18-year-old daughter into a fan. That's great. <laughs> I was truncating. Oh, do, okay. Or do, should I read it? No, it's all good. Uh, so that is great. I didn't mean that to say it dismissively. Thank you. And Dave is now a member. Thank you, Dave, for coming aboard. And Sherman D is now a member. Sherman D said... I just wiped out all of my credit card debt. Wow. I am envious. Me 99, too. you? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Me next, Sherman. <laughs> uh, what is with the cops today? I don't know. Something's going crazy out there. What better way to celebrate than to start spending money again? All joking aside, I love this pod. I love Max99, Manny, and all the unfuckers. I'm proud to now call myself a member, and we're so proud to have you. Sherman D. Thank you for that. Then my BFF Nathan Sir spot hey. a coffee and just said a quick coffee for reading my thoughts this week. Smiley face. Now, we're actually not done. We're going to go through this really quickly because we had so many people respond to our request for more reviews. So here we go. Font status. Why did I say that? It's so weird. Font status. status. Font you status. Said fonts. I wanted to go status font, in font, my head. So I was like, stop. So entertaining and very informative. This show is in my regular rotation and in my favorites station in my app. This show should be required listening for all citizens. Woo-ha! And F. Scott James said, Max and 99 provide great perspectives of complex topics, not short or shy of opinions, but well-deserved. Deep research on each subject with plenty of context. Even as a well-educated progressive, I feel like I'm part of a master's degree level lecture every episode. They don't talk down, but they don't come off as lofty. Cool. I love when they include me like I do the research but I'm like yeah I do provide really you good takes do add good takes <laughs> I didn't God say I didn't add good it. takes but I don't I don't do the research but I'll pretend I do Callie Cycle said relevant and serious despite the name this is a useful podcast that has helped me on my journey of understanding found UNFTR as a recommendation from Pitchfork Economics but now UNFTR is my first go-to podcast and then Grizz Guy this pod host and team put things in historical perspective in a really entertaining way. Every pod makes me better equipped to truly understand what the fuck is going on and why. Five stars, 10 out of 10 must listen. Love it. All right. 
we got stuff to do. Let's carry on. I'm sure you do as well. If you've made it to the end, unfuckers, God bless. We love you. And we'll catch you next time. Bye. Love. Exciting and new. Come aboard. We're expecting you. And love. Life's sweetest reward. Let it flow. It floats back to you.